Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about fairness. This idea of fair that many people try to pursue in their lives. And I was explaining that fairness can be defined as a claim on someone else's property or time. That if someone is not behaving appropriately or in the way that you want them to behave with the things that are theirs or with the time that they have at their disposal, then they're not being fair. And you can use that as an excuse to hate them, to cause all kinds of problems in their life, perhaps. But what I would like to talk about in this program is the idea that a person truly has expectations. When it comes to fairness, you expect someone to be fair. And when they're not fair, then you are going to have an opportunity to be depressed over this. And there's a tremendous amount of depression that results from people living with the reality that others are simply not going to be fair. There's a tremendous amount of depression that results from that. But the real issue, the real root issue that I would like to expand on in this program is the idea of expectations and that fairness is just simply an introduction to this idea of expectations. Now, when it comes to religion, there are many opportunities to have expectations put on individuals. In many ways, religion is defined as a system of bondage, as a system of requirements, a system of expectations that you are to behave in a certain way, you are to do certain things. And if you fail to do so, then you have failed to live up to the expectations of the religion. And because of this, there are churches everywhere that are filled with people who live under the burdens of these expectations. And of course, depending upon how these expectations are presented, in general, people are not going to be able to live up to the expectations that are placed on them. This is one of the biggest obstacles that people face in Christianity. Because it is unusual, it is extremely unusual to find someone who is considered to be a Christian leader of some kind. It's very unusual to find someone who does not present all kinds of expectations to the people who are looking to them for guidance and instruction to know their God. In many cases, this is all that they do, is they just present all these expectations that God has of these people. And these people need some motivation, maybe. They need some encouragement. They need some incentives, either the carrot or the stick, no matter what it takes. They need some incentives to live up to God's expectations. And because of this, there are churches that are filled with people all over the place, who out of great sincerity are trying to meet these expectations that God has 
of them, but they fail. And because of that, there is a tremendous amount of depression in religion. There is a tremendous amount of depression in churches. Churches are filled with depressed people. And how do you suppose these people cope with their depression? What do they do? Well, many of them turn to alcohol in order to try to relieve some of the pressure that they personally experience. They take drugs, whether they are legal or illegal, no matter what they are, whether they are prescribed by a professional or they are not. They take drugs for the purpose of getting through the depression that they experience as a result of this. You know, I was explaining in a previous program that when I mentioned to my supporters that I was going to talk about the subject of depression, that within 24 hours I lost almost 10% of the support for this ministry, and that I expect by the time all of my supporters find out about what I've taught about this subject, that it will probably look like about 20% of my support will be gone, and there is just about no chance that that support will ever be recovered. And in addition to that, I'm going to put these programs on my radio archive, and that's going to prevent a lot of other people in the future from supporting the work that I'm doing. But I believe it's worth the cost. I really do, because the things that I am talking about, I personally have found are very real barriers that prevent people from knowing their God. And so I am willing to assume that cost, to take that cost upon myself so that some people will experience freedom, liberty, and they will begin to grow in a relationship with their God that they wouldn't otherwise, that that to me is well worth it. And so I'm willing to do that. But, you know, unfortunately, because of this massive amount of depression and drug use and alcohol abuse that's being experienced in many churches, there's no way that other pastors who are in a position that is similar to mine, there's no way they could talk about the things that I've talked about, especially when it comes to drugs. There's no way they can do that because the cost for them would be so high that there's no way that they would be able to continue to do any ministry at all, in my opinion, from what I can tell, from what I personally have been able to assess as I've asked this question of myself and I've looked for any information that would give me some ability to be able to assess that situation and that matter. And I have found that the depression in Christianity is so high, it is so huge that the cost would be unbearable for a Christian leader to say anything about taking drugs in order to deal with it. But the root of it truly is expectations. Now, When it comes to expectations, there are two different types of expectations that I'd like to describe. The first kind of expectation is an unrealistic expectation. And then the second type of expectation is a realistic expectation. You know, when it comes to depression being the result of unrealistic expectations, this can be easy, very easy to deal with. It's not too difficult to deal with Problems that people are having in the sense of depression because they have unrealistic expectations. It's not that hard. For example, there are some people who somehow take this position that they are never going to experience any tribulations in their life. They're never going to experience any serious problems in their life. When a person takes this position, when they make this assumption, that's pretty easy to deal with because Jesus said that in this world... You will have tribulations. You have someone who is believing something that definitely is not true. 
It is very unrealistic. They are not facing life as it is. And we can present the truth that Jesus expressed to us when he said that we would have tribulations in this world. And that will correct that improper thinking. And that will be the beginning of a person experiencing healing from their depression. So when it comes to unrealistic expectations, it can be easy to solve those kinds of problems. Some other unrealistic expectations are things like you will be able to solve all of the problems that you have because of past events. Because of things that have happened in the past, you will be able to find a solution for it. Jesus said that we are to forget those things that have happened in the past. Some people expect that they will be transformed by their feelings. They believe that all they need to do is live according to their feelings, and they need to find some way to renew their feelings or get their feelings back on track, to find some way to change their life or change the people in their life in order to feel good, that that is the goal. But Jesus said that you are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not by the renewing of your emotions. And of course, you're not to take drugs to numb your mind. You're not to be transformed by the numbing of your mind or by turning you into a partial zombie or something like that. But we are to be renewed in our mind that the things that we believe in many cases are not true. We are to be confronted with those things that we believe that are not true so that we can replace those things with things that are true so that we can face life in the way that it is and we can see it through the eyes of the Lord Jesus. But there are many other unrealistic expectations. For example, some people will assume that everyone should like them or they should like their looks, things like that. Those are pretty easy to deal with. But, you know, there are a lot of people who experience significant depression because they believe that other people should like them or other people should like the way that they look. And that's just simply not going to be the case. That is not facing life in the way that it really is. And so when you have unrealistic expectations, you are going to experience disappointment. And when you experience disappointment, you're going to have some fear. And when you have fear, you're going to start with anger. But eventually, when you realize that there is nothing that can be done about other people's opinions about what other people believe or what other people decide to do, then the only thing left that you're going to have is self-pity. And self-pity will lead to depression, and depression can easily lead to despair. So let's consider the realistic expectations. When you do face life as it is, you can have some expectations of people, you can have some expectations of circumstances and situations. And these can be very realistic. They can be very realistic. But unfortunately, people, again, they do not always do what you want them to do or what you expect them to do or even what they may expect of themselves. They may still fail. They may not have the same beliefs that you want them to have, or even that they want to have. They may not be able to hold to the convictions that they would like to have. You know, there are many expectations that we can have of other people, of situations of life, and they can be very realistic. But even then, there will be disappointment. 
And when there is disappointment with a realistic expectation, well, this can be much more complicated. This can be much harder sometimes to get through. You can't just say, well, that was just unrealistic, because you know what? Maybe maybe it was realistic. Maybe it was a reasonable, realistic expectation. And you are now being confronted with disappointment and depression will set in really soon, if it hasn't already. Then how do we deal with that? I mean, how do we respond to situations like that? Well, the fact is, is that we cannot live our lives according to our expectations. I mean, I really believe that we should have expectations, we should embrace expectations, but if we are going to live our lives by them, if that is going to be what really governs our life, if we are going to make our decisions on the basis of our expectations, then we are going to have some serious problems. We should actually live our lives expecting that our expectations are not going to be met and that this is reasonable. You know, it's just about impossible to have a healthy relationship with another person without having expectations of them. It's just about impossible. If you don't have expectations of another person, then how can you trust this person? How can you have faith in this person? How can you really relate to them in a personal, intimate way? I think it's very, very difficult. What kind of a relationship is that going to look like? I just want you to know that I don't have any expectations of you at all. Whatever, you know, just whatever. That sounds pretty empty, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds dead in many ways. And so I do not want to encourage you not to have expectations. I want to encourage you to have expectations. I think it's a very healthy thing. I think it's a very important thing. But by doing so, I'm also going to be encouraging you to put yourself in a situation where you are going to experience disappointment. You are. And when you think about being exposed to situations of disappointment, you might hesitate and think, my goodness, no. I am not going to make myself vulnerable to another person. I will never do that. But my friend, you've got to. If you don't, you are never going to experience healthy relationships with other people. The answer is not how do we avoid the disappointments of life. What we really need to embrace is how we live through those disappointments in life. Now, you might think that this sounds a little bit odd because in many cases, people really do try to govern their lives, live their lives, make decisions in their lives so that they can avoid any possibility of disappointment. People do live this way, but I'm telling you this is not the answer. If you can consider that this is not the answer, consider the living God, consider Him and how He relates to us. Do you suppose He has expectations of us? You know, in some ways, he does not. I've actually done some programs on this subject as it relates to our relationship with God. I did some programs on the expectations that he may have of us, the expectations that we may have of him, and also what it means to live in a relationship with an individual in such a way that you have no expectations of each other. I did do some programs on that. And I would definitely like to encourage you to listen to those. But in this context, in the context of depression, I would like to talk about this from a different point of view, that we should have expectations of others and that it is okay to have expectations of others. 
and that it is okay to be disappointed and that it is very healthy to find constructive ways of responding to that disappointment. Because without this, I don't think you can fully appreciate the way that our God relates to us. You know, think about this for a minute. When when God created Adam, he presented him with all of the animals that he created. And he told Adam, listen, I want you to name all of the animals. I mean, I did something. I made all of these animals. And so I would like you to participate in the creation that I have made by by naming these animals. I know you can't create these animals. I didn't make you to do that. I created the animals, but you can give names to the animals, and so why don't you do that? God had an expectation of Adam that Adam would name the animals. And you know, Adam could have decided halfway through naming all of these animals that he's just simply had enough and he's decided that he's not going to name any more animals. That could have been an opportunity for disappointment for God, a serious opportunity. Now, in this case, of course, it appears that Adam named all of the animals, and they certainly must have enjoyed this time together. But do you understand that there was an expectation that was placed and in that sense, and that they experienced a mutual relationship with each other when it came to God's creation and Adam being allowed to participate in it? But if you keep reading, there was another opportunity for God to have an expectation of Adam. He told Adam, whatever you do, do not eat from this tree that's in the midst of the garden. This tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from that one. Now, he expected, in a sense, he gave an expectation of Adam to not eat from that tree. But Adam ate from that tree. Now, try to think about this from his point of view. He experienced some disappointment. I really do believe that he experienced some disappointment. Now, did he know that Adam was going to eat from that tree? I think so. But even though he knew, even though I believe he foreknew this and he had a solution for this planned out before he even created the world, that doesn't mean that he wouldn't experience some disappointment when it actually happened. I do not believe that God was afraid, that he was angry, that he experienced any self-pity, that he was depressed, or he experienced despair. I believe that he responded to that differently. But I want you to see that this is an example of someone having expectations and there being disappointment. If you have the expectation that somebody not eat something that you don't want them to eat, that perhaps you worked for days to make and you just want them to wait a little while maybe before they eat that, or you made it for somebody else and you don't want them to eat it at all, and they eat it, I don't expect you to respond like God would. But I do want you to consider that this is an opportunity to know your God, to know the character of your God. And if you do not understand what it means to have expectations and disappointment, this is something that I don't think you are going to be able to experience as an opportunity to know more about your God and about his character and about the way that he relates to us in the midst of the lives that we have, in the midst of the lives that we live, and all the opportunities for us to fail in many ways, all of the opportunities for us to sin and how he continues to live with us, to work with us, to have a relationship with us in the midst of this. 
So this is why I want to talk about this subject, because I can tell you that this is a serious barrier that prevents people from knowing their God, from knowing him in a deeper way, from seeing things through his eyes, because without exposure to these situations of unrealistic expectations, realistic expectations and disappointment that eventually leads to depression, Without this, I don't think it's possible for us to really embrace an understanding of our God as we could otherwise. You know, when we have a relationship with another person, there are so many opportunities for disappointment. So many opportunities. Consider marriage, for example, when you're married to someone and your spouse fails to do something. You expect your spouse to do whatever. And you can just fill in that blank. Everybody... I'm sure can come up with an entire list of things that they expect of their spouse that simply is not being fulfilled. And this is going to feel like one of three things. It's going to feel like rejection, it's going to feel like insult, or it's going to feel like injury. And when you experience rejection, insult, or injury, when your expectations, which could very well be very realistic, when they are not met, you are going to be disappointed. Now, there are, of course, two ways, as I have expressed so far, there are two ways to respond to this disappointment. One way is a very natural and normal way and a very expected way, considering the condition of humanity. The first way is to respond with fear. You're going to be afraid. My goodness, I had this expectation. This expectation is not going to be met. I have Fear, a legitimate fear. And when you have fear, anger will soon follow. And in your anger, you're going to invoke some defense mechanisms. And these defense mechanisms are going to be unique to the individual, of course. But what they are all going to look like is your attempt to try to control the situation or control the person to make whatever change is necessary so that your expectations will be met. But you're going to discover that you're not going to be able to control another person. Not even God himself will interfere with the will of another individual. But I suppose you are now, right? That's a very important point to consider, that you will never fully understand what it means for God to work with us and live with us and reveal himself to us while allowing us to do whatever we want to do. And of course, what's even more important Believe whatever we want to believe. And when you discover that you're not going to be able to successfully change the beliefs of this person who you are married to or this person who you have a relationship with, when you figure that out, that this individual has the right and the privilege of thinking whatever they want to think, believing whatever they want to believe and doing whatever they want to do, that that really is the bottom line. Now, of course, they can experience a lot of consequences as a result of that. I'm not referring to that, though. I'm referring to our desire to try to change another person, especially in this way, because not even God himself will try to change another individual in this way. But but we we try to do that for some reason. Lots of people try to do that. But when you realize that this isn't going to work out for you, which, of course, you definitely will find this out, when you realize this, the only thing you have left is self-pity. Woe is you. Woe is you. And then depression and then despair will follow shortly after that. Now, I believe that in our soul, especially 
in the condition that we are in, in the fallen condition that we are in, that these are appropriate responses, that we should not feel condemned for these kinds of responses, and that these should be recognized as natural and understandable responses, and we should embrace these responses, if anything, to show ourselves just how depraved we really are, but also to show that we are alive and to show that something is wrong so that maybe, maybe we can pursue an alternative. And this alternative is the way that our God lives, the way that he sees us, the way that he relates to us. This opens an opportunity, this depression that people get to experience if they don't drug themselves out of it, is a wonderful opportunity to turn a person to the Lord. It gives them, it gives you motivation to look for an alternative. And eventually, I pray that you will look to the living God and see how he relates to us. How does he relate to us? He relates to us first and foremost with forgiveness. And second, with thankfulness. Now, there is a lot to be said about that. I have done a series of programs on forgiveness I've talked about thankfulness in various contexts and different programs that I've done. But the living God really does live in a condition, in a state of forgiveness towards us all. And you also, in your spirit, will have to embrace his forgiveness so that you can live with forgiveness towards others. Now, this is something that happens in the core of our spirit and can easily happen simultaneously as our soul is struggling with the depression, that you should be depressed about things like this. But simultaneously, you can experience peace and joy in your spirit because of your relationship with your God, because of the forgiveness that you are able to apply to the individual, because of the thankfulness that you can have in your heart because of who your God is, what he has shared with you, and what he has given to you. And so you can function with both depression and joy at the same time. And in this way, you can live your life. You can truly live. Now, I do believe that eventually forgiveness and thankfulness will overwhelm the depression of an individual. I really do believe that. But to experience the transition between being depressed and experiencing the joy of the Lord, I think is a very healthy and a very important one and is part of being alive. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,